Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, along with... Travis. And George. And poor George. He's never seen any movies. (laughs) Hey, George. Have you ever seen the movie Psycho? I have not. In fact, I didn't know Psycho was a movie. (laughs) And (laughs) we were talking about... This Hitchcock guy, and uh, could you believe I I couldn't even tell you what else this Hitchcock guy has done. So I'm a case, guys. That That's why we're soul, here, George. That's why we're here, right? We're here. We're here to fix you and hopefully entertain <laughs> anyone that wants to spend their time listening to you get fixed live. Can you on hear podcast. me shaking my head? <laughs> I'm shaking my head. This Hitchcock guy. (laughs) Is Hitchcock guy going to fix George? I have heard the name. Hmm. Couldn't tell you what he's done. Well, we're (laughs) not going to tell you either because we don't want to affect your expectations. Okay. But let me ask you, George. uh, What do you expect going into a movie called Psycho that was released in 1960? Um, For 19... Well, people have always, always been... uh, it could be very deep and very uh like the opposite of physical mental um or it could be all it could be like a straight up you know like massacre i don't know if it is a massacre the special effects are going to be terrible <laughs> but that's okay i can i can look past that i i really don't know i i have no idea what to expect this might be uh, a little bit of radio magic then, because I think you might be the last person on this planet that hasn't seen this movie. <laughs> it's quite possible. Your sister probably hasn't seen this movie. Well, it's because she's from the same family, <laughs> and that's the reason why I'm here. Well, unlike Back to the Future, unlike Back to the Future, I have no problems with Psycho. It's not one I'm going to argue about. It's just it's a good movie. Uh, I'm glad to defend it uh, to all comers. So instead of making you look forward to <laughs> my uh, destruction of its plot, like Back to the Future, uh, no, instead, I'm just going to have you look forward to a fantastic story of the last time I showed this movie to someone who had never seen it before. Uh, I will save that for after mm. you've seen the movie. Very good. Sounds good. All right, let's get to it. All right, George, let's get to work. Now, I'm going to warn you. It's in black and white. Mm. So adjust ah. your modern <laughs> film viewers. Yeah, I know. Uh, you you youngins used to your color and your 3Ds and your 4Ks and your HDs. Just go with it, man. Uh, yeah. Let it create the ambiance it's going for. Don't just look at it like my kids do and say it's no, boring. No, I, I know how to appreciate shit. I'm good. We'll I sh- see. I showed him we the original see. Kong, so he knows black and white. Yeah. I'm good. All right. Well, let's get after it, and folks, we'll see you after the movie. Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. So this week, George, we really upped the uh, volume, uh, literally and figuratively. Sure did. Sure did. And uh, we jumped from Back to the Future over to Psycho. (laughs) 
How you feeling, man? <laughs> good. I mean, yeah, real good. Just got finished watching it like half an hour ago. <laughs> okay, there for me, it was pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, it's a classic. I I did you know look up who Alfred Hitchcock is. So oh, good. I had good. a little bit of background. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, it was pretty straightforward. Um, and you know, it's a very old movie, and um, you know, I, I liked it. I can say that much. It was, you know, worth watching, and okay. and I'm sure that I'll see, you know, some of this stuff again in other movies and say, oh, I see where that came from. Right. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, I know that Dan is super excited <laughs> to do this movie, so I'm just gonna <laughs> let him school me because that's why we're here, right? Pretty much, yeah. Now, I would say, and the, I'd, you'd have to consult with a real expert instead of a pretend one on the radio, but I would mm. put Psycho in probably the top five most influential films in history. I mean, uh, there are very few films that actually create a genre right. uh, within the framework of a single movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you can put it along the lines of, like I always think of the movies I've seen and 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 all the directors that I love, they were all influenced by the Hitchcock generation. So it's, you know, we don't have Jaws without Hitchcock. We don't have uh, Halloween without Hitchcock. We don't have, like, all all these great directors from my childhood and a little earlier, they've all been influenced by this movie. So that's kind of, to me, the way I look at it. Yes, it's a straightforward movie. Uh, I love it, but I... To me, it's it's not in my top ten, but I see why it is because, like you said, it's so influential, and we don't get half of the movies that we have without that film. I'll go by my personal favorite part of this movie, other than the the uh, the subtle character development. I love the scenery. I love the motel. It feels like even the house is a character in the movie. I fell in love with that house, mm. God, 35 years ago. That to me, I wanted to live in that house. That house was, that was it. That was that was horror, and it's yeah. it's amazing to me uh, that an inanimate object could become such a character in a movie. But it's it just sets the tone. That that whole gritty motel. And even the motel itself kind of sets you up for what you're about to see. But then you see the house and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, the house was it was eerie. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost like, you know, it was like a silhouette against, you know, like the stormy sky. It was like, yeah, you know, and it, it's it's cliche now. But right. But then it was probably revolutionary or. Yeah, it was just like so many iconic pictures and posters and whatever of Norman standing on the steps uh, and just that house. It could be a silhouette with one window lit up. It could be daylight. It could be nighttime. Whatever it is, that house yeah, did it for me. Yeah. And then as I got older, you know, the characters did it for me. And then, you know, Norman Bates and where he falls into the genre, where he is, where he what he brought us. That, that's all great for someone in their 20s and 30s to discuss. But for me, I was I just fell in love. And I, I, I've never been to the original house. 
I've been to Universal Studios in Florida when they yeah. had it. And that house, just standing there, I remember I was trying to take a picture of it, and a crow flew down and landed right on the Bates Motel sign. I have the picture. Yeah, I was I was like 14. Yeah, and that's the universe. Yeah, right I was there. just like, there's a crow just landed on the Bates Motel sign with the house in the background. I can <laughs> die now. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. But yeah, even to this day, it's 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 popped up in other movies because it's on the back lot. Yeah. But it was it was in a few of my other favorite movies because it it kind of falls in that background and or you know the movie The Burbs like it, it just pops up. Sure. And, and I just I love it. Sure. Uh, I love that scene when the private detective guy walks into the house and the stuffed birds are like. You know, wings out in the attack formation, like looking right. down at him, and that owl's ready to like claw his eyes out. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the house itself. Yeah, you're right. It's not only like uh, the setting; it is also like this threatening character that they all have to deal with at one time or another. And right. it's so well executed. It's probably the it's like the earliest example I can think of where you you bridge like the universal, like you know, Dracula type castle into mm-hmm. just a cold modern setting yes i was just about to say Mm -hmm. it felt like when you watch the old bell lugosi dracula and they pull up in front of that castle and you just see dracula's castle in the background you're just like like that house is the american version of dracula's castle and you everybody knows it it's it's iconic yeah it's as iconic as the shower scene or the you know the that sound Mm -hmm. like it's you hear that you know what it is. You know yeah. what it's from. End of story. There's no. There's no denying it. It's funny because I've heard that sound before. Mm-hmm. Like in you know used in other things, used in parody, used in you know whatever. And like this was the movie that it was like. This was the movie that That's it was used was in. That's where it came from. <laughs> it was kind of kind of weird, cool. It's crazy too because yeah, the the shower scene itself comes from the movie. It becomes iconic. Uh, it's like a pop culture phenomena still referenced uh today on you know modern like uh media the music itself sets up an entire scoring pattern for this type of movie for the next 30 years until the slasher mm-hmm. kind of fades in the early 90s but you know the the manfredini scores for the friday the 13th movies you'll eventually mm-hmm. see all of multiple times um <laughs> i mean they're psycho that's all it, sometimes friday the 13th themes comes comes up on my playlist I, I have to think, is this Psycho or is this Friday the 13th? Because it's such a direct copy. Yeah. I mean, it just, it changed the way movies were scored going forward. Mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, hugely influential. You also have to keep in mind too, it comes out in 1960. So you're like the gateway of the 60s. And now you've got this ratcheting up of violence, uh, unlike anything to that point in any American released film. Uh, oddly, uh, a lot of critics will point out that Michael Powell's Peeping Tom comes out the same mm-hmm. year. Also an escalation of violence. Uh, both older directors, which I think is interesting. Both guys are like in their 60s or pushing it when they start really upping the violence. Mm-hmm. You know, you really expect that out of younger filmmakers. And in the 70s, right. it becomes like a younger filmmaker domain. But here the old Stallworths are here. And uh, it worked out great for Hitchcock and ruined Powell's career. But uh, just strange that they happened almost simultaneously opened a new door and shut the old door and now it's the <laughs> 60s and things are going to get crazy and here we are and you knew right away because 
the the main character, the female, was <laughs> not the typical, you know, Donna Reed type character. Like she was kind of having a side relationship with this guy, and mm-hmm. she's like meeting him at, at a mo- at a hotel, and but she had her own life going on, and then you know she was trying to see how he felt like he was kind of playing a game there was a big game between them two and then they show her in her in her life she wasn't very ethical for that time period i read it more like she was kind of just stuck in a rut wasn't getting a lot of opportunities and was getting desperate and then right. when uh you know future politician oil guy walks in with his forty thousand dollars <laughs> Which yeah. I tra- I did the inflation thing. That's three hundred and fifty grand in modern dollars. Wow! And that is still kind of the perfect amount if you were going to break away and start a new life, right? You could buy a decent house. You buy a nice house in, in a lot of cities, but at least a decent house and and start over fresh for three fifty these days. So, I mean, it puts into scale that forty k was maybe worth running away with. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't turn out so well for her, but, you no. know. <laughs> well, I think if they would have established that she had maybe some debt, or I know I know it was the whole, uh, she just wanted to start her life over again, but to me, that's a lot of money to steal. That's 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 going from... Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got to be a lot of money. It's got to be a lot of money for the for the story. I kind of I kind of thought when she was, you know, when he's flashing the money in front of her and, you know, she really wasn't, you know, she wasn't flirting back and all that. I was, I was kind of thinking the same thing that you were thinking, Dan, like she's over this. Like she, you know, either, either that or she's trying to be like a man and, or she's trying to be like a woman in a man's world kind of thing. But, um, yeah, there's not much opportunity at that time. At sixties, that's not many opportunities. Yeah. And you have the other, you know, the other girl sitting across from her, like, you know, I don't know, ogling over it like, oh, uh, it's like, you know, come on, come on, act like you've been in there before, you know? The line where she says, oh, he must have noticed my wedding ring. That's why he wasn't flirting with yeah. me. <laughs> You're right. Oh, that's, that's, that's some <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. It's like, so, yeah. You know, another You're thing from that, Lee. from that general thing, uh, the way she lets that highway patrolman have it during the traffic stop, you know, it's like nowadays in a more sensitive body cam, uh, cell phone cam, you know, uh, world that we live in I just you know it was shocking and also kind of uh, hilarious to see <laughs> see her letting that uh, California Highway Patrolman just uh, didn't give him an inch and tried to drive off during the stop and she didn't do the obvious which would be the other aspect like is she going to show a little bit more cleavage is she going to be like she went the opposite way yeah. she went listen Again, dude i'm yeah. doing this and get out of my life kind of thing instead of like trying to you know play the she, damsel she was a strong yeah. independent woman didn't need no man which is good which was she was the whole time um i like is i don't know if i should really say this but the, that the verbiage hasn't changed in you know since 1960 am i free to go right <laughs> that's that's still you what you, that's me? still what you say am i free to go <laughs> am i free to go are you arresting me so anyway for sleeping <laughs> i thought the whole movie was a lesson in karma mm. because uh you know you don't steal forty thousand dollars because you know that's what that's what might happen to you because karma yeah and trust trusting like that that wholesome kind of guy where it's like oh he's he seems harmless but you just don't you don't know what's going on in anybody's head well she didn't really trust him 
she didn't really trust him she either. She let him in a little bit. A little bit, yeah, but just enough. She was, you know, she was taking a shower. She didn't, you know. Yeah, and they establish early that he's he's kind of smarmy, but in mm-hmm. like a childish kind of way, a childlike kind of way, like yeah. almost like George McFly. You know, uh, just yeah. kind of, you know, he's got the hole in the wall and he's he's checking her out, but Oh my gosh, he is like George McFly. <laughs> <laughs> He does, he's got like an overgrown <laughs> adolescent quality. Yeah. And yeah. then that kind of fades away a little bit. So we get to the shower scene, maybe the most iconic murder in film history. It's I up th- there. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. No. Uh, and so, George, what do you think when they go and they kill your main character? What am I thinking? I'm thinking it was pretty well into the movie so i was thinking well this it can't be the first of many like you know where this person goes on like a spree Hmm. and i'm thinking it's you know it's too early to be the end so i really didn't know what to make of it it's funny because I said that I said that last week. Oh yeah, they're not going to kill the main character, but in this case, they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I was definitely thrown off by it. It sounds like it still works then. Yeah, sure does. That's amazing. Well, it puts you in in that mindset that anything's possible, because here's a person they established, took the time to establish, and then boom, they're gone. But then it kind of plays in the fact that it's going to be. Uh, not a murder mystery movie, but it's 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 going to unfold. So her dying midway through, or you know, a little bit before that, it sets you up for okay, where are they going with this? How how deep is he going to go? And right, then, you know what I mean. Right, and I thought it was really far into the movie for him to get very deep. Hmm. You know, for the killer to get very deep. You know, there, there's only an hour left in his movie. Like, you know, how far can he go? How are they going to wrap this up? It was it was a surprise for sure. That it happened that quick. Now, one thing, I don't know if you know this, George, because uh, this is probably the first Hitchcock you've seen. Uh, he was shooting in color prior to this, and he shot in color again after. So him switching to black and white for this movie was just more of that kind of rock and roll attitude of the six, like his 60-year-old self. Like, I don't know where it came from, but, you know, it helps keep the budget under control and you get a little bit more flexibility so you get to do stuff like kill your main character. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, it's just, uh, I, I was hoping you, you could get the context of this. Like, this movie is an aberration in a lot of ways in his already very well-established uh, filmography. Mm-hmm. And then immediately he goes back to shooting color and making, you know, mainstream thrillers through the end of his career. So, interesting. just kind of a strange rock and roll attitude there at the beginning of the 60s. Now, Dan, what is your take on this shower scene? I, I mean, it's, curious. it's something I've seen... I, I, of course, saw it in other things first. Uh, the okay. Simpsons notably do a, a very good one. Uh, Chevy Chase in Vacation does an excellent mm-hmm. parody version. You know, better in the, the R-rated cut than the TV cut, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's the game changer, right? It's it's a good uh, non-reveal of the killer. Like, in modern parlance, we'd probably notice how darkly lit the face is and start to wonder is that really mother or is that him? Like, what are we doing here? But for the time, I mean, the, you get enough of the killer to be scary. 
it kind of confirms what they've been like the BS they've been pushing at you about mother. So you're like, Oh, it is her and she is alive and here she, you know, but it's so violent and just, it's precise <laughs> and it just, and it's shot from above, uh, you know, when he comes in the room, you know, even with the uh, investigator, they, they shoot it purposely. So you can't really tell body structure and all that stuff. So they leave that open to interpretation. And if you're good, then you figured it out very early. <laughs> I didn't figure it out. Okay, that's good. Yeah. No, I had no idea. Yeah, I love the shower scene. To me, it's it's that it's that same mentality that Spielberg uses in Jaws where it's like it's it's not always what you see, it's what you don't see. Uh it's cut and edited just it makes it more violent and they don't really even show hardly any blood other than in the water. And there's no penetration of the of the knife. It's actually a realistic amount of blood, right? Which is not. It's not a lot. It's not normal to see that in a movie. It's like exaggerated in movies. It was actually. Well, yeah, it was before way before gore. Yeah. But it's like, uh, they never show the knife go in to her body, right? And but they're, it's just so well shot, and and it just kind of adds to the the horror of the scene because it's her her reaction and they just show enough of mother in quotes uh to you know you're you're not really paying attention to see who the killer is you kind of think you know here's how clueless i was i the whole scene had had taken place and at the last second as the killer's leaving i'm like did did he just put on her nightgown and leave like i was like or was that a woman? What like I didn't right. even register like if it was a man or a woman or who it was. Right. Until the very end of the scene and I was like, "What was that a women's nightgown? What 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 was I just <laughs> watching?" And then the 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 pull away, the slow pull away of her eye from her eye. Yeah. Like she sat like that for I, I don't know if you ever counted it, Dan, but it's got to be at least close to a minute that that pull back. And she doesn't twitch, she doesn't blink, she doesn't do anything, and you can tell that it it's seems not, like an eternity. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. Well, and everybody talks about the psycho theme and the the re re you know dissonant chords and all that, and it, it's super effective. But the sound mm-hmm. design of the actual impacts of the knife yes. blade in a mm-hmm. an era where you're not seeing the violence, oh, it's just it's a whole different level of horror because it is. It's just you've done that thing where your brain is drawing the part you can't see, and it looks worse than it would if they actually showed you. Mm-hmm. And it's being reinforced by this horrifying, like, you know, knife into melon sound or whatever they're using. And it's right. oh, just, it's too effective. Now, we touched a little bit on the big reveal. Uh, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the movie except for George. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, Mother is long dead and, and uh, Tony P is our, our slasher in chief. When he comes into the house and she's trying to hide and she's, you know, she goes down the steps and... I'm thinking, uh, she's gonna run into mother, <laughs> and then she goes up the steps like she's gonna go. You know, she's gonna get out the door while he's upstairs, and I'm like, oh no, how, what? That didn't. And then she sees the door, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, go down the door, okay? Like, let's <laughs> let's see let's see what mother's all I about. I was here for that reaction. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> I wasn't so sure good. if he liked it or not, and I'm like trying to hear his reactions. And when she kind of dipped down in the the stairwell, he's like, yeah. Yeah, he, he like whispered, yes. "Yes." Yes. <laughs> and then when she turned to kind of come up the steps, he's like, "No, no. What are you doing? What? Uh, and you're supposed to go like, down yes. the steps." Yes. Yes. <laughs> so he was cheering her on to go meet mother, which to me, 
uh, th- that was enough for me to realize he, I, I wasn't sure if he loved the movie, but at least he was uh, he was feeling the movie. I, I don't know it, when when mother was just sitting there and, she, you know, she didn't turn around when the door opened and, you know, stuff like that. There was some there were some hints as to the fact that she wasn't, you know, really there. Um, and, you know, when they turned her around and you see that, I'm like, OK, that that doesn't surprise me. And, you know, because uh, Norman has been odd off the entire time, it surprised me, but it didn't. Like, I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's how he is. Okay. You know, um, it was a great, it was a great scene. What's even better is what followed. Mm. And that reveal was, just, oh my God. Uh, I was like, what is going on? And then, you know, obviously they, they explain that. They mansplain he has, it. you know, more than one personality and this that and the other thing and 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 okay that that's cool but when when he came in you know shrieking and running with the knife yeah yeah was that in the the wig and the and the gown and the i was like what is okay all right okay did seeing her as a mummy or mummified mummy uh a mummy uh seeing her Uh, like that did that ruin the reveal the visual of seeing Norman no. dressed as her. Okay, that's good. Nope. Because I, 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 that was my fear. I was like, okay, because when I watched it, I knew everything that was going to happen, so I was kind of watching it with a different eye. Mm-hmm. And when I saw her spin, when she tapped her shoulder, I was like, man, she looks so inanimate that George is going to figure out that she's dead before I she did. spins. I did. So when she spins and then you notice that she's mummified, they've been telling you this the whole movie because he's... He's been a taxiderm. That's been his hobby. He's taxidermy. Mm-hmm. So, yep, they've been kind of revealing that to you the whole time, and they're just they're hoping that you wouldn't figure it out. And and then when they show her, she looked so dead <laughs> that I I was afraid that that would ruin the reveal of Norman uh, coming in, which it didn't. But I was just thinking, does she look too fake? for you know today's standards like how's george going to handle this well i mean i'm i'm considering the time too right but um but yeah i mean he the sheriff said that she had been dead for 10 years so i i expected her to not look great so travis you got to be there during the uh the big reveal scene then so you got to witness george seeing the big unveiling is that how i understand this yeah i was here when i showed up uh he was they were in the shower discussing going to the house to talk to the mother so i kind of just crept in and i kind of sat on the floor i didn't say anything and then when the movie was over i was like don't don't say a word and i was on the edge of the couch by the way like really watching so years ago i I mentioned this earlier i i showed this movie to my sister-in-law who doesn't do well with scary movies and so the reveal (laughs) happens they spin around the mother, Norman, bursts through the door screaming. And before he even finishes his first step, she jumps from the couch, grabs a pillow, and begins smacking me in the face, yelling in perfect cadence, I will never forgive you for this. That's funny. So it sounds like it went better for you, George, than poor Amelia. Well, I mean, I... 
Yeah, I mean, I knew what I was in for. Well, so I loved she. it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> At, towards the end, the very end, like you said, when when after Norman is uh, taken into custody, then they reveal what's all what it's all about. Mm-hmm. What what was your take on the the psychiatrist talking? Like I I was watching it. Like man, I really wish they would have taken an extra half hour and uh, showed me some of that. Like it just seemed like he was wrapping it up in a tiny little bow, and I was just like, man, I, that's why I love movies today where they they do the flashback or they do the mm-hmm. you know the character. Um, uh, what's the word? They they I don't, I don't want to say they want to show full background, but. That's why I was glad I saw the the TV show Bates Motel because it kind of shows you everything that that doctor was talking about, mm-hmm. and you get to see the growth, how Norman goes from, a, you know, a twelve year old kid to, you know, young adult, mm-hmm. and how he gets to that point and how important his mother is, and they show you all that. So to me, I I enjoyed that show a lot because it took what that doctor talked about, and showed it to me. Oh, by the way, I had I've seen a couple of episodes of Bates Motel. Okay, I had no idea that this is that Psycho was <laughs> Bates Motel. Like I had no idea. Yeah, never connected it. But you know what? I I saw a couple of episodes of Bates Motel and I didn't stick with it. But I think it's because I've never seen Psycho. Yeah. Go watch it again. Because now I think if I started Bates Motel, I'd be hooked. Well, and you should also be aware, George, for extra credit. Uh, there are two slightly non-canonical sequels uh, with Anthony Perkins, one of which was actually directed by Anthony Perkins, and it is bizarre. Uh, <laughs> that's Psycho 2 and 3. Quentin Tarantino says 2 is better than 1. He's wrong, but <laughs> you, it is pretty good. But then Psycho 4, the beginning, actually goes through exactly what you were looking for, Travis, which is the okay. mother-son stuff in the background, right. and Olivia Hussey is the mom. So, I mean, it's not very good. But right. <laughs> if, you've, if you've got three and a half, four hours to kill, you could probably fast forward through like 30 minutes of each of the last two and, and still get the, the full story. Back to the psychiatrist and, you know, wrapping it all in, in a, a cute little bow at the end and you wish you could have seen more of, of the split personality. I don't know why, but whenever I'm watching an older movie, I expect less from it. Like, you know, not as good acting, not as good a effects not as good a lot of stuff um what i'm finding out is that the scores are fantastic but <laughs> every you know i i expect less i don't know right. i don't know why it just you know so when he's wrapping it up and whatever blah, blah blah i i did get that feeling like oh this this is really convenient like <laughs> okay it gets you know cuts of the chase and then they give you the slightest like a small taste like 10 seconds or 15 seconds of him not acting mm-hmm. like mom but thinking right it's mom's brain thinking it's the best part of the movie those mm-hmm. last 30 seconds are so yeah. good yeah. yeah and to say like i i get why you would say you want more of that but that was i think just the perfect amount mm-hmm. to make you want to pull your hair out which is exactly what it was meant to do I, I thought I thought it was fantastic. That little grin at the end, and then did you catch the skull that they flash in? Some prints, yeah. it's harder to tell. Yeah. But I guess none of us are watching on VHS anymore, but it used to be hard <laughs> to tell. Now it's pretty straightforward. But, man, that grin he gives at the end is just like, it's like a chef's kiss moment. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's one of those moments where I, I personally don't like a backstory on my killer. I enjoy not knowing why they do what they do. But with Norman, there's so much there. There's just so much meat. I loved it. Yeah, they should really... I, I could watch that character development all day. Uh, and that's why that little taste at the end was like, oh, man, that was it. I wanted to see like an interrogation. I wanted to see... Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to see him really sink his teeth into some real meaty lines, but it was just that little subtleness and and just talking about the fly, and, and then he that, doesn't and then say that grin. a word. Not, he doesn't yeah. say a word. He just it's all facial expressions yep. and his thoughts, and his thoughts are just so mother. I like that this one too. It, the psychology is pretty clunky, but they do a good job of nuance uh, with the transvestitism thing like mm-hmm. you know you always get that one crotchety guy who's like oh he's a transvestite you know and the psychologist <laughs> has to be like okay back up yeah there's back different up, versions <laughs> don't be talking about my <laughs> fbi director that way we gotta you know. <laughs> um, but you'll see george as we continue down this road and and especially into the uh, late 70s so it's gonna branch off and you're gonna have like half the movies are nuanced and half the movies are not and mm-hmm. you can very clearly define who has done their research and who simply saw Psycho, noted the transvestite uh, tendency of wearing a woman's outfit, and then didn't bother listening to the rest <laughs> and just yeah. went with the fact that this guy's weird and dresses different than everybody else in the in the room. And it's just, uh, it's, it, it's not great. It doesn't age well. But this one holds up pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it then uh, when you think of the characters, like, we'll get into it, like, they address it in many ways in different movies that you know and love or haven't seen, but you will know and love. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see the actual uh, influence of Norman Bates and being a quote-unquote transvestite uh, in future movies that we watch. And unfortunately, we can't talk about which movies those are uh, because a lot of them hinge on that as being a spoiler, which in 1960 is great. But by 1992, like, mm. eh, 30 years yeah. of this, man. Like, maybe we find a new twist. Somebody yeah. call that Shyamalan guy. We need something new. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where's what if David the aliens Fincher? were cross-dressers? <laughs> Swing away. That would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, she's uh, the least. Uh, I, I rewatched this this morning. And certain scenes still give me the the tingles on the back of my neck, even though I've seen the thing 20 times, 30 times, Mm -hmm. 40 times. Still very effective. Uh, And so to kind of keep the momentum going, I I watched Frenzy, which is like a later Hitchcock, and it is really interesting. And we're never going to cover it on this podcast because it's it's not up there in the uh, the tier. Very obscure. A little extra credit for you, George, and really for Travis if you haven't seen it. It's, I have not. So it's that good. moment I'm... where Hitchcock is now an old guy. You know, somehow at 60 years old, he's not old. He's pushing. He's rock and roll. He's black and white. He's psycho. He's stabbing. It's cool. But by 1972, <laughs> the, the cinematic world has changed. And now he's a 72-year-old man trying to make the same movie as like a 22-year-old Wes Craven. Okay. And so he's trying to integrate Wes Craven type Last House on the Left era stuff right 
but still following like the the instincts and rules of a person who's been making movies since the 20s and so certain scenes are way more graphic than they would have been 10 years earlier but he doesn't have like the vocabulary as a visual storyteller to actually pull it off uh pun intended if you watch the movie uh it's very (laughs) strange but but we talked about the shower scene and what you don't see there is a scene that consists of a like freeze frame of a lady's eyes and then a long pullback of the camera that was way more scary than anything else in the movie it was fantastic so watch that movie just for the giant camera pullback and the way that they just it's so good the rest of the movie, eh, but that part, <laughs> the vintage Hitchcock moment with the camera pole, oh, just mm. like, it, it was a 10 out of 10. I will look okay. into it. You said Frenzy? Frenzy from 1972. Okay. I will look that up. So, George, do you like Psycho? Absolutely. Are you good for an ever-increasing amount of violence and horror? Because <laughs> uh, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. With a few comedies here and there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Sometimes a horror comedy will be thrown in there, I think. Ooh. Mm. I'm not talking about Saturday the 14th either. Oh. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> so, George. Yeah. Coming up next week, we got a little curveball for you. Okay. Psycho 2. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell him? Oh, God. Travis, you want to tell him what he's won? Uh, You have won an all-expense-paid trip to Wayne's World. Okay. 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 You have not seen Wayne's World, right? We've established that? Um, You're familiar with it, I'm I'm familiar with it. Um, Yeah, I I couldn't tell you what the plot was, so let's say I haven't seen it yet. Now, I think we have to decide... um, do we want George to see some of the skits uh, ba- that the movie's based on, or do we just want him to go right into the movie? I think the movie's got to stand on its own two feet. Okay. It's almost better without the context. Beauteous. Okay. That's what you'll be doing. All right. I'm excited. Hey, hey guys. Hey, guys. Ask me if I've seen Psycho. <laughs> Have you seen Psycho? Yes. Beautiful. Oh, we did that. <laughs> we made a difference in the world. We did a thing. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at at Remedial Film Pod, Facebook.com backslash Remedial Film Pod, and of course, you can email us at remedialfilmpod at gmail.com. We'll see you back here soon. I'm surprised we got through that whole thing without uh, one cock joke. I was going to make one. Dude, we did it. I made one jerking off joke and it was pretty sly. <laughs> yeah, you pulled it off nicely. Yeah, you pulled it off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>